Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyoli, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast of sexy stories about our human relationships to sex and how it affects us all. Our guest today is a 23-year-old American cisgendered male. He is pansexual, married with some poly mixed in. He's into biting, scratching, choking, pegging, giving, and receiving oral and bondage. An IT dude from the South currently living in Florida. Welcome, Zach. Happy to be here. <laughs> We're so happy to have you. Can you start off by telling us about your shameometer on a scale of one to ten, with ten being super full of shame and one being not so shamey? Where do you fall today? In this current situation, I would say zero because I've listened to your podcast enough, and in my normal life, I'm not really shameful either. It really depends, like on the vibe of the person. I noticed since I listen to your podcast, actually, I'm more blunt. I'll talk about sex more openly. And if someone starts to act like, oh, what the, you know, I'll start to tone down like, oh, okay, that's not normal to them anyway, you know. 
Nice. Okay. So it sounds like you have a good barometer. Historically, did you have a lower high shame of Like how has it slowed over the years? Maybe when I was younger, I had some shame because I had some like bits where I didn't know if what I was doing was wrong, you know, in my formative years. But now I look back, and I'm like, oh, that was just normal puberty teenage boy, you know. Totally. Can you tell us what your sex life is like right now? Just a little overview and your favorite parts. My wife and I, we both have a lot going on mentally. So we definitely are working on ourselves a bit. So we don't have sex as much as I would be up for. But I'm definitely, I understand it. And you're doing the investment work. Just want to point that out. Like taking time to work on ourselves is huge. Yeah, I definitely understand like what we're both going through, you know. But it definitely is good when we have it. It's definitely very intimate, very passionate. Anyway, my favorite parts are, I guess, when we're just doing it. I'm a very sexual being, so I just enjoy the trip, you know? I enjoy the journey and the destination and looking forward to the journey and then looking forward to the next journey after I reach that first destination. How long have you been married? Slash, how long have you been in this relationship? So we've been married two years and four days, actually. And we've been together since 2019 in May, so like a while. (laughs) Over three years, I want to say. Yeah, going on four. Awesome. Okay, now tell us, what is sexy to you? Sexy, I think, to me, would be like confidence or when someone's interested in your interests and when you're talking to them, you don't feel like they're like bored out of their mind. They're listening and like they find it really interesting. So just like investedness, I guess, if that's even a word. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that exact thing this morning. I was like, is it called attention? Do I just, am I an attention whore? Is it, no, I just (laughs) want to be seen. I just want someone who likes me and I like them. And then I think sexy, like as a visual, I like thigh highs, stuff like that. Nice. When do you feel sexiest? Maybe like when I'm wearing like a cool like outfit, like I've been trying to go out of my comfort zone lately with not just wearing like my male specific clothes trying to like blur the lines a little you know Mm. or when I let people like just put makeup on me for fun nice just kind of like being seen making a scene I guess (laughs) making is being seen and making a scene I love that okay now tell us what counts as sex for you if you asked me when I was younger I would have said strictly probably penetration Mm -hmm. but in the world we live now, I think sex is like way broader than that because there's people that can't have penetration or things like that, you know? So I think sex could be anything from like oral sex to whatever you classify yourself as sex is sex to me. Yeah. It is so contextual, just like you said, because in my own brain, with my own upbringing, same thing. It's penetration, not just P and V, but like if there's fingers like for me it really is penetration related in my like brain if I was gonna be like oh I fucked somewhere like they fucked me that's like what I would be thinking of but then if I meet someone who like only wants to have thigh sex or just likes blowjobs or only wants to receive oral or you know something like then I'm like oh yeah that's our sex and so then I would like recategorize it in my head it definitely varies person to person I would say yeah Okay, tell us now, did you ever get a helpful sex education or explicit health and safety talk or a lesson in consent from a grown-up that you trusted? So we did get the normal sex ed class that everyone got. I don't remember when I got it. I think high school. But actually in high school, 
I think that's the first and really only time I heard about consent was in sex ed. And they showed us, I don't know if you're familiar with the tea video. I don't know the tea video. It's like a metaphor for consent. Like think of you're in a house with someone and you're like, would you like some tea? And they're like, yeah, I'll have some tea. And then you bring them the tea and they change their mind. You're not going to force them to drink the tea. So tea and consent, that's what we learned basically. If you're not sure if consent is there, think about the tea. Like, would I make a person drink this tea? You know, or if they're not sure about the tea, am I going to make them tea? Was that helpful for you? Like, has that been helpful throughout the years? And like, do you remember what it was like when you learned that? Like, I wonder if that would be helpful for me. At first, I don't know if it made sense. But when you think about it, like as an adult, it definitely is. Like, consent is clear. It's not for a lot of people. It's really not for so many people I talk to. And they get so squiggly when I use that C word. I don't know. I'm just not interested if there isn't consent, you know? Absolutely. Have there been specific moments that you've thought in the past where you, like, had to remember the tea to, like, guide you? Or was it something that was then so easy because you just had it in your brain already? I think it's really easy for me since it's, like, some reason I'm, I think about things a lot, and that's one of them. Yeah. Tea. I don't know why, just because I was young and probably when I was moldable, so it's in my like forefront of my brain or whatever. If I'm in a situation, I will always ask, is this okay? Are we good with this? Yeah. Could, yeah. I'll ask even my wife, like, throughout a couple times, just because if something's uncomfortable or not wanted, I don't want to continue. That's not what I'm here for, you know? Yeah. I've been a really big fan lately of the phrase, does this feel good? And then if they're like, yes, I add, how could I make it better? It's an invitation to collaborate. And then if they're like, no, no, this is really perfect, then I know it's not just a polite answer because that was kind of one of my biggest, actually continues to be one of my biggest sex fears. And it's probably the reason this podcast exists because my insecurity comes from a place of like, I have a hard time reading human signals and I also have a hard time trusting the human explicit signals that I receive back because I know that there's so much nuance and in between and stuff can be true but it can also be not true so okay anything else to say about like your formative health and safety consent like all of that stuff you, you didn't get a parental sex talk i did but not really on consent just like more like what a penis is what a vagina is where babies come from that's about it i do have one more thing on consent that i just remembered i was living with a girlfriend at the time and she was going to college and they had these pamphlets on sexy ways to ask for consent or make sure there is consent. And I thought that was like really cool at the time. Yeah. And we kind of did it jokingly. They, I think there's a video too where it's like, is this okay? Do you like this? Is this good for you? So I would say like everyone and we would kind of just have like a fun bout about it. But I definitely think that is a clever way to implement consent too. Some people I think find consent conversations scary. Yes. So I think that would help if it's more of like not do we have consent but like more of like a do we have consent but in a more conversational way like yeah is this okay are we am i going to be in legal trouble now it's like <laughs> is this an awesome time for you babe like it's just a totally yeah. different tone make it a conversation yeah the reason i started forefronting this at the beginning of episodes is as i would talk to people and bring up the concept of consent I noticed this kind of pattern of like I didn't do anything wrong like every time it comes up and it's like oh I know but like what are we even talking about and so 
I want to live in a world where everyone can just experience great joy and feel safe enough to do that sexually. So that's part of it. But that consent word scares a lot of people. So thank you for introducing me to the tea concept. Now I will always think of consent. <laughs> okay, now as an adult, can you give us an example of a time that you said a very clear yes to something that turned into something sexy and or hot for you? I can't think of anything that I have said an explicit yes to, but something I asked someone else an explicit yes to. I think it was before my wife and I got married. And I was super nervous about mentioning this to her just because we're close, but it's like not an easy thing to ask. Yeah. I was like, so how would you feel about a strap on? And she's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Where are we getting it? And that opened a lot of doors for me because I've learned early on that I could ask her anything and I would get a enthusiastic and whatever I wanted pretty much answer hmm. would come out of that conversation, you know? Wow. Cause we're very similar people. I was going to say, it sounds like awesome compatibility. Okay. Now tell us what, if anything happens to your shame meter when it's time to talk to a partner about safer sex and in your ideal world, how do those conversations unfold? I wouldn't say I have a shame meter when I talk about safe sex with another person. Just kind of make it a conversation, not so like cut and dry, like they're filling up paperwork, basically. Like, what do you like? What does it for you? What's your test status? You know? Yeah. Just to learn about the person, not necessarily like have an interview, you know? Totally. When do you usually bring it up? Like when in the new connection, if it's a new connection? Pretty soon after, just like maybe over text or... When we meet in person, like, what are you looking for, basically? I let them know I'm married because sometimes that is a red flag. Okay. So I definitely am very open about what my situation is. Nice. That's awesome. So now take us back to your early years. Walk us through your formative sexual experiences, starting at the very beginning. What happened to shape Zach into the sexy being that he is today? <laughs> I remember, I think, first time ever sexual experience. I went to a friend's birthday party and it was like all guys and it was late. And one of them was like, what if we just watch porn, all of us together? And I was like, hell yeah. Even though I've never seen porn in my life, I'm like a child, you know? Yeah. But I think that was the first encounter and it was scary, I think. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like when you're young and you've never seen the things happen before, you're like, what is that? Why is they doing that to that person? Are they okay? You know? Yeah. Porn is like a shock. If you've never seen it, it can be good, but it can also be pretty bad, I think, depending on, like, the audience, basically. I think it's also framing and context and, like, what you get exposed to first. Well, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but just from talking to people, I know that people have completely different understandings of stuff going into literally everything. What do you remember seeing first and thinking and feeling about it? And can you set the scene for us? Like, where were you guys? Were there grown-ups around? Do you remember how old you were? Like, I do not remember how old. Probably teen or right preteen, like right yeah. around there, a little younger. There was one adult, but she was asleep. It was my friend's mom, and it was dark because there was an older, like probably like a little bit older than us, a teenager that I guess had watched porn before so he was like mm. what well, if we just watched it so we put it on and we we're like what is this and it was like really weird like i've never seen it again to this day but night vision porn where like it's dark and it's like got the night vision lens i 
thought it was pretty interesting then, I guess. Yeah. That was what my brain was on as a child. I'm like, night vision, that's pretty cool. I don't like, were they using a baby monitor? Like, <laughs> I have no idea, but I, I thought it was pretty neat, like a trail cam maybe or something. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first sexual like memory that I can recall. Okay. I had like a rough idea of what sex was, but hearing about it is a lot different than seeing it. Like at this point, I didn't know what masturbation was, anything like that. So it was definitely a shock. Okay. So what unfolded for you after that? Or did it just sort of sit for a while? Like, when did you start really understanding more about what it was and or experiencing your own turn on to differentiate from like young childlike curiosity? Like right around that time after I saw it, I probably watched it on my own at home. I had this tablet and I'm sure that thing has so many viruses because I was going through (laughs) puberty with it, you know. But the funny thing is I had terrible internet i lived in the country yeah. and we had satellite internet and if you ever try to watch porn on satellite internet that ain't it or do anything besides email <laughs> so basically even though i'm pretty young i had to live pre-internet kind of puberty stages so i came across some of my dad's magazines that were hidden in like this little coffee table and i would come home from school I'd be home by myself, and I would just look through them. I'm skipping ahead, actually, a little. So when I started watching porn on my tablet, I didn't know what masturbation was. In my head, I was like, vaginas are kind of like circles. And I can make a circle with my hand. So what if I just like kind of did that for a while? I'm like, oh, that feels good. And I had no idea what was going to happen, because I guess I didn't connect the dots or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And something happened eventually, obviously. <laughs> it took a while. And then I was like, what? I thought I was an explorer. I thought I found something no one else knew. I didn't know what this was called. I thought I was a freak. That's when probably my shame meter was a little high because I felt like I shouldn't be doing that, whatever I just did, because I didn't even know what I did. Yeah. And I didn't talk about it with my parents because obviously I was embarrassed a little. So that's when I discovered that I didn't know what it was. I guess somewhere in the porn journey... I learned what it was and found out, oh, that's not just a me thing. Other people also do that. So the magazines I found were like these lingerie magazines. Mm -hmm. I thought my dad would just draw pictures because he, at the time, drew a lot. And I didn't think anything of it. But my dad is actually trans. Uh So I'm guessing she now would, you know, look at the magazines and purchase stuff and like draw pictures to make, you know, Whatever she wanted. But at that time, it was just my dad, you know? Mm-hmm. Now my dad's a she. I still call her dad. That's awesome. I love that. Do you want to talk about that at all? You're the first person I've interviewed who has a trans parent that they've told me about. Yeah, we can talk about it. So I didn't know about it until I was 16. It was my 16th birthday. I remember it pretty clearly. We went to see Jurassic World. Yeah, I think Jurassic World came out on my 16th birthday. I'm really in Jurassic Park. And all my friends were there and everything. And it was like the morning of or the night of, they told me about it. And I just remembered, I'm like, this is my fucking birthday and you bring this up now. And at that time, I'm not really sure the whole details of it, but I think they just said that my dad was a crossdresser. They didn't say that she was trans or anything. And we didn't learn about that until later. My mom claims that she didn't even know that my dad was trans until the transition period, you know. So it was definitely a shock. and. For a while, it made me feel like 
kind of like a mistake. And I felt like I kind of like put a halt to whatever plans my dad had, you know, like if she did want to transition, I felt like I was kind of stop hold or whatever you would call it. I felt like I was a mistake that I kind of stopped whatever she wished to do with her life, you know. Wow. So I felt bad about that for a long time. It sounds like that part has stopped the feeling bad. Yeah, I mean, because eventually I'm like, I'm not a mistake. I was born for a reason, you know, like I was born. I'm a human. It happened. I don't need to worry about what my parents were thinking about at the time. I need to live my own life for me. Yeah. After I turned 16 and found out all that, there was a big conflict because my dad was trying to leave and supposedly there was cheating and stuff involved and my mom was going crazy. It was just real bad. Like they kept making me feel like I had to choose sides. Oof, that's tough. I think I turned 18 and I was pretty pissed at my dad because basically she left us and like made her side of the family like basically kind of think of us as the black sheep, like hate us and everything, even though we didn't really do anything wrong. And then I guess they made up and my mom invited her to come back live with us. So I was like real mad. I was 18. I'm like, why would you let her come back? She called the police on you. At some points, you know, I ran away. I went and lived with my girlfriend at the time at her college town. And then she dumped me. I came back home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to join the military. I was already in the process. And like two weeks later, I left. 18 years old, was gone on my own just because I wanted to get out of that environment. I wanted to live my life, not be involved in someone else's conflict. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that with us. Side question, jumping ahead maybe to a detail, but like, have you ever done anything kinky with Jurassic World or is it just like a pure, like non-sexual, like would you ever have a role play be informed by your love of that property? Yeah, I think that would be really interesting. I'm not sure if the role play would involve you pretending to be dinosaurs or if you're pretending to be characters from Jurassic Park, but that definitely, that sounds awesome. I'm all, all about like geeky stuff being involved in the bedroom. Okay, the one that popped into my mind is you're in a tropical setting, you know, like you're on one of the island type places where there could be dinosaurs. And it's only a matter of time before you get eaten by the T-Rex. So you have to fuck as much as possible. And maybe if you <laughs> fuck the right amount, then like it'll create magic and keep the T-Rex away. Or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be very, very still. Very, it. very still. Ooh, that would be really good. The when you mentioned it, my brain immediately went to the inflatable T-Rex costumes. <laughs> that would be so fun. Cool. Okay, so tell us about your formation during that time, becoming a young adult. When did you start exploring with other people? We hear that you had a girlfriend by the time you were 18. When did you start playing with people? When did you start understanding more about your own sexuality? So... Between masturbation and partner, the first thing I really remember is in high school, it was like freshman, sophomore of high school, however old you are then. I had this girlfriend. I was like crazy about her. She was a little a little wacky. I think that's maybe where a lot of my formative quirks and kinks maybe came from. What flavor of wacky, though? When I'm looking back on it now, I didn't know at the time, but probably like somewhere around like blood play kind of like knife play and a little bit more extreme stuff you know okay so that's not super what i'm into but i've tried it I and mean, it's got its place you know i could tell even at that age that 
she was pretty pretty freaky and I was down for it you know really the only sexual experience we had because we were young and it's really hard to have sexual experiences when you're young because you're with parents and everything all the time at our high school at towards the end of the year like when there's no classes and everyone's done with their testing they kind of just sit you in the cafeteria and you just sit there and <laughs> like play on your computer or hang out with friends or whatever and I remember she brought this blanket and she started to give me a hand job in the cafeteria with like my friends around and like no one knew, but they might've known, you know, like yeah, yeah. on the low. And I remember this janitor, like really funny, like janitor. He was like loves throughout the school. Really good guy comes up and he's like, so what y'all doing? Like kind of <laughs> like making fun of it. They're like, I'm just cold, you know, chilling. <laughs> he's like, mm-hmm. and he left. So I think he definitely knew what was going on, but no one else knew what was going on. So that was probably my first partner-oriented experience. Wow. Okay. I'm assuming you liked it? It was okay. I mean, it's like you're young, you don't know any better. So a lot of squeezing and like hard grabs and stuff that don't feel so great. Yeah. I remember that, which is funny. But then actually, the same girlfriend was at the Jurassic World uh, birthday thing. And I remember in Jurassic World, like, us just making out and, like, hand stuff. And that was probably, like, the first time I had ever tried to do anything for someone. I can't remember if I did anything in the cafeteria with her or not. I don't think so. After her, I uh, started dating this church girl that I met. She was really sweet, really cool. We only ever really did hand stuff. After her, I started seeing this girl... That one of my exes tried to get me to cheat on her with. It was really complicated. So I was dating a girl that wanted to end the relationship, but she didn't want to break up with me. So she tried to get one of her friends to have me cheat on her with her to end the relationship. And eventually, a couple years later, I did end up dating this girl and the one that she wanted me to cheat with. And that was actually when I lost my virginity. I was 18 with the girl I ended up living with at the college town even at 18 that was definitely a lot of formative of my kink upbringing and like learning about what stuff was because college girl is kinky and i am not really at the time pretty new you know to all of it still young yeah in these experiences so far had you learned about your sexuality like were you attracted to non-straight things yet or like what was that part like for you did that come with your kinky explorations I started kind of late on that, too. Like, I didn't really know I was attracted to anyone but women mm -hmm. until 19. And, like, I tried when I was younger. This is kind of also some of the stuff that I was embarrassed about. Like, I would try to put things in my butt, mm -hmm. <laughs> things that shouldn't be there, you know, when I was young. And I actually eventually told my mom about that one time. I, was like, I did this, and I feel pretty bad. And she didn't really make a fuss about it so I kind of appreciate that looking back on it yeah like I was really embarrassed about it and felt like I shouldn't have done it but she was like okay all right whatever why did you tell her did you need help with something or did like did it get stuck or you know with most female razors they have the handle and it's like round and just looks like very smooth looking so I felt bad because it was my mother's razor and I let her know that I threw it away, basically, so that she wouldn't go ahead and use it, you know? Yeah. 
I don't even think I got far because I was like, oh, that didn't feel good. That was probably early on some of the mixing ins that I liked stuff that was more than just your usual heterosexual interests. But I also think that heterosexual people should definitely try stuff with their butts. Oh, absolutely. And I know lots of people who identify as straight of either gender or any gender that love butt stuff. And it's, you know, and it's so funny to me that some people consider butt stuff kinky and some people don't. Not because I think it is or isn't. I just think it's funny that we have different words to say the same stuff depending on where we are and what our experiences are. I would love to hear about what you learned about yourself with that kinky college girl. Like, what did you discover? What did you learn? What unfolded for you? So she pretty early on told me that she was into DDLG as like a lifestyle more than just the kink. I think that's the right term, like the lifestyle form of uh, DDLG. Tell us your understanding and her understanding of it. And DDLG, for anyone listening who doesn't know, is Daddy Don Little Girl. But some people use lifestyle to mean not a professional sex worker. Some people mean it's part of the scene. Some people mean I'm a 24-7 lifestyle person. So tell us what she told you. Lifestyle-wise, I think it really meant to her like that we just kind of like caretaker role. Like, I'll do things for you. I'll take care of you. I'll make you food. I'll put on the cartoons and you just chill. It's like a safe place for you to be with someone that protects you, basically. Yeah. And when you bring up DDLG, it really depends on who you're telling. But usually, most of the time, you'll get backlash for it. People will think, oh, you like children. Like, no, that's not what this is. It's hard to put into words, really. It's really just a caretaker and the person being taken care of, in my mind. It's someone that doesn't have to really worry about the world and someone that will protect you from the world, in my mind. Totally. My experience dating some daddies in the last year has been, like you said, an extreme nurturing quality where when I am in the submissive role, if I'm not being daddy, then I get to just relax and follow along and play. And I don't have to worry about, you know, it's not that I'm not sexy. It's not that I'm not womanly. It's just that I can be little and cute and whatever I want. And I I haven't experienced like the cartoon stuff or like wearing a snuggie or like a plushie or like having all of that accoutrement yet. But I've not yet met someone who identifies as a daddy, to be very accurate who seems like a pedophile. Then again, I'm in my 30s, so I don't know what an 18-year-old or 20-year-old might experience. I don't know who looks much younger. How much experience did you have with the concept of anything? You know, I know you had the wacky girl (laughs) that was a little bit kinky, but like, was it brand new for you and kind of like what? Very new. Okay. So she prompted it with basically taking the BDSM test. Yeah, she had me take the test and I was like, my results probably back then were like vanilla, missionary, man, woman, you know, very cut and dry stuff because that's what I knew. Yeah, so I didn't really know what DDLG was. And back then I was a researcher. I still am. If I don't know how to do something, like I remember I would look up how to kiss or how to eat pussy, stuff like that. And just like looking at WikiHows like constantly. So I remember I think there's a WikiHow on DDLG and YouTubers back then that would like kind of explain what it is. Because at the time I probably reacted... Like, oh, this sounds wrong. Like, we're mm-hmm. pretending that you're a child and that doesn't sound good. But then when I learned what it was, I was like, oh, this is already kind of what I do in a relationship. I try to be the 
caregiver, the protector, the person that keeps you safe. So yeah, let's roll with it. So we definitely dived headfirst in and just kind of went with the lifestyle, kind of like what I was saying. She would like have cute outfits and like she had stuffies and stuff like you were saying, plushies or whatever. And we would just have her watch cartoons and I would make her something like food, like nuggets and stuff like that, you know? You don't have to look into it so much. It's like carefree, I guess. Yeah. It's so playful. But she also was into some bondage, which definitely introduced me into that because I had no idea what bondage was. I remember having fantasies when I was younger about being like kidnapped by a crush and tied up to a chair, you know? Yeah. And then, oh, maybe this is something. We use like scarves or ties or something and like tied each other up to like the bed and that was like my intro to bondage and I thought that was really interesting and fun. I still do, obviously. I found at that time like I like tying people up, but I prefer I think to be the one tied up. Yeah. Just because it's makes me feel vulnerable, which is weird I guess to say that you like feeling vulnerable. I guess that's normal to say. Well I how many times in our lives are we given permission to just be vulnerable? And for me, if I can get into a space with someone that wants that from me, it's so delicious. It's kind of being seen in a way that I don't usually get to get looked at or that people don't try to look at me that way. What do you like to have done to you when you're tied up? Oh, anything and everything. I mean, back then it was just pretty simple stuff, probably like scratching and like kissing, like leaving hickeys and stuff, you know, young love stuff. But she loved giving blowjobs, and that was, like, the first experience I ever had with them. Yeah. And I was, like, hooked ever since. That's probably, like, my favorite thing to feel, you know, just because there's nothing quite like it. Specifics, please. What do you like to feel? What do you feel? Are your balls involved? Like, what's an exquisite blowjob for you? Balls can be involved. Not entirely necessary. <laughs> but Nothing's I, ever it, necessary, but, like... <laughs> I'm not sure what I like about it so much. It's just the experience of all of it as a whole. I don't think there's anything specifically that I really like. I'm like, oh, that's what I like. But I remember one time she lived in a college town and I lived pretty like two hours away. So I would go visit her every like weekend or so. Mm -hmm. And she lived with her mom in like an apartment, like right near the college. And I remember one time I just got there and her mom was like on the couch in the living room. Like, living room is, like, right here, and her room is, like, right next to it. And I got there, and she just takes my pants off, starts giving me a blowjob with the door open, with her mom, like, right in the next room. And I was like, oh, my God. I guess that's another, like, what would that be, like, exhibitionism? Kind of like the thought of, oh, I could be caught at any moment. This is even hotter, you know? Yeah. So that was pretty lit. She must have really liked giving blowjobs, because I remember... Just she would do it a ton, like once a day, maybe. That's commitment. <laughs> well, I don't know. I personally am like, if there's a cock around that I have access to, I'd like to put my mouth on it pretty often. Even it doesn't mean it has to be a whole production, but it could be. You know, I, I get it. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, yeah. I get it too now at the time, but I, I didn't. But now I get it. Yeah. When did you start giving oral? You said that that's something that you are into. So. I did try to give oral with her. I guess something wasn't right because it just didn't taste right. I guess she wasn't getting the proper care or something, or maybe she had a, an infection or something. But I just remember that I could not do it with her because 
I have a pretty weak stomach. So if something tastes off, I'm going to get sick. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't really do it with her. Now I've found that I, I love giving oral to anyone, men, women, whatever you identify as. I don't really care, you know? Yeah, yeah. I want to use my mouth to make some pleasure. I feel like I like it because it's one of the closest ways you can get to a person. Like, my favorite way to do oral on a vagina is just have her sit on my face. So mm. that's like as close as you can get, basically, yeah. to a person. You're literally suffocating in them. It's like direct and very deep. I think this is also why for me in the last year or two, I've really gotten into not just 69ing, but I've been thinking of it. Oh my gosh, am I hilarious? I guess it's kind of like a sexy circle, like a closed loop. Like I love to put my mouth on my partner's genitals. And lately I've been like positioning myself in a way where they can either be fingering me and kissing me or also, you know, 69ing, but it doesn't have to be the like classic somebody squishing someone, you know, any sort of form. But I'm realizing that even if I am being penetrated, I really want my mouth also on like ideally kissing, but like if not, then maybe an earlobe or something so that it creates this like closed loop of hotness. <laughs> I love the idea of like no frills, just very direct and very deep. I definitely get the mouth thing because I guess that's where biting comes in for me. Like I say I'm really fixated and people think that's like always sexual, but not really. I, I used to chew gum a lot. I like my mouth to be busy. I don't yeah. know. So in sexual experiences, I'll just bite onto something. Of course, like with consent, I won't be like, ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Or you do it lightly and see how they react, you know. With women, I prefer it to be like kind of like the 69 where like I'm laying down and the, the woman is kind of like laying on me with leaning back, you know. I find that to be the easiest and most appealing way. They don't have to do anything like orally on me. I just like that position. Yeah. I really like the sideways position, too, because there's so many different ways to be sideways. And then I can reach stuff more easily angles wise if I am putting my mouth on them, too. I'll have to try that. I highly recommend you do. <laughs> I've never tried the like side position. I never even thought of 69ing that way. Yeah. Because it's going to be funny. But one of my friend that sometimes is a partner, I guess you could call him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how do men 69? And he was like, what? I'm like, well, think about it. In my mind, there's only the one way to 69, one on top, one on bottom. I'm like, the dude on the bottom is going to get suffocated with the dick. How <laughs> does it happen? And they're like, they do it on their side, dumbass. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I never thought about it like that. I also bet there are, you know, couples of penis owners out there who can well i don't know audience you tell us are you a penis owner with a partner who's a penis owner and do you squish each other with cocks like how do you 69 because i feel like it also might really depend on bodies okay so with that college girl what else did you discover like what else were you kind of how long were you together like what else did you do together that was part of your whole thing like or when did you start also exploring with other partners and kinky people like what what came next basically <laughs> Okay, we were we were together for like a year. She was very spontaneous, like in public, she would do something. And I thought that was like super hot. I never had experienced that before. We'd be like in a grocery store and she'd be touching on me and stuff, you know. Yeah. And then in like parking lots and just like all these public places that I never had like experienced before. That was like, what if I got caught? What if this happened? You know, totally. just kind of like that dangerous kind of 
feel. Love that. Did you ever get caught? I think one time we were like making out, nothing like super crazy outside of like a Jimmy John's. And I think a cop walked up and knocked on the window and we we're like, what's up? And that was like all that really ever happened with getting caught. Now, when she would come to visit me where I lived, we had this little neighborhood and they had this dirt road that went way into the woods and it was only one way. So you had to drive in and back out. So that's where we would most of the time get our sex on, you know, out in the woods, in the car. I thought that was pretty fun too. Kind of like the danger, like there's houses like right yeah. a couple hundred, like a hundred feet away. What if they saw our car? So it was pretty intense and same kind of vibe. Also woods are hot. Like that's so yeah. nutri and hot and primal kind of in a car. That's something bit. I definitely want to try <sighs> Me out in the woods. I never have. Same. Never. So I did want to mention that like some of my maybe exhibitionism came from there. She dumped me. I come back home a couple days later. I was kind of, this is how I was when I was younger. I found another girl that I started dating like right after she dumped me pretty much. The first time we had sex was in a hotel because she wanted our first time to be special. I remember that. And then she was fine with whatever after that, basically. Okay. So we had sex in the hotel room. And she was, like, super concerned about, because I wanted to go down on her, because I wanted to try it. I wanted to experience it, again, because I didn't really have a great experience with my previous girlfriend. So she was, like, all week, she was, like, eating pineapple and everything, because she thought that was, like, the, like, way. And I don't know if it worked or not, but it tasted fine. And, you know, I obviously was down there for a while. And then after that, we kind of, like, had a lot of little spouts in my car like in parking lots. It was always pretty ironic where we had sex in the parking lot. So we did it in a church parking lot one time. I was like, this is pretty funny. A school parking lot in her front yard in the driveway. Just kind of like everywhere. That was a lot of car sex because we couldn't do it at our homes because we're still young, you know, and parents are involved. And then I left, went off to boot camp after her we dated for like a month and then I left and then I went to boot camp. Nothing happened in boot camp. I didn't even masturbate at all. <laughs> Not even like in the shower, just exhaustion. Not once. Or... Okay. Wow. I guess I was just so tired in boot camp and stuff that I didn't. But in my job training, which is after boot camp, it's like where you learn your job. I did masturbate in the bathroom or like in bed when everyone's asleep, you know. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities. All thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Floor's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. 
The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. But I was still dating the girl at the time, but she cheated on me when I got to AIT, so that kind of sucked. But then I met this girl in AIT, that's what job training's called, mm. and she was 28, and I was 18 at the time, so I was like, hell yeah. She was a mom, so it was like all very interesting stuff to me. Yeah. We had little make-out sessions when we were not supposed to behind like walls and stuff at my training, because you're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, don't fraternize. Basically. But when you get to a certain level, you can also go off base. So we would go see like a movie and like do hand stuff in the movie. <laughs> go off base to get to first base. Yeah. And that was about all it got to. I left my training. This is when Church Girl, the one I was talking about, that we never had sex. She was like, do you want to have sex when you come back? I'm like, okay, I guess. Because I'm single. I don't have anyone. So she actually, my mom and her were really good friends. So she came up with my mom to my graduation, my ex. We all stayed in the same hotel room. My mom had a bed and then she had a bed. And then there was a wall separating us and I slept on the couch. Okay. And I think she sent me a text and she was like, hey, you awake? I'm like, yeah. And she comes over and starts giving me a blowjob with the wall and my mom like right there. So that was definitely like, experience she's you know down there and i have an orgasm and then i hear my mom getting up so i'm like go 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 you need to go to the bathroom so she goes in the bathroom and just acts like she's in the bathroom and i pretend to be asleep we made it just by the skin of our teeth my mom never knew you know it was pretty funny but then same time while i'm visiting home around when i got out of training we also went to amusement park and we had a hotel right outside of there. And then we had sex for the first time because I never actually had sex with church girl until then. There was never a chance to vanilla sex, nothing crazy with her. Yeah. So after I was done visiting home, that's when I got stationed and I lived in Korea for a year, which is where I met my wife eventually. But when I got to Korea pretty soon after, that's when I had this situation happen that was like not super cool. So I was talking to this girl that was one of my military buddies' friends that lived in California, actually. And we just hit it off like really good friends, and we talked a lot. Like, we saw the potential to maybe, like, date when I got back. Mm -hmm. And she was just being, like, real wishy-washy, so it made me, like, pretty upset. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I did what every person does when they're upset, go get drunk. So I went to a barracks party. And just got super blasted on some Jack Daniels. There was a guy that I was flirting with, supposedly. And eventually, they took me back to my room. I was laying in bed. I threw up in my bed. Oof. And then one of my team leads helped me shower. 
with the guy I was flirting with. Like, they weren't in the shower, but they were, like, outside, like, making sure I was okay and stuff. And then my team lead leaves, so it's just me and the guy that I was flirting with. And then after that, I kind of blacked out. I don't know what term to put on the situation, but the guy kind of took advantage of the situation when I was real blackout drunk. Even if I flirted with him, I don't feel like that's what I wanted, you know? Yeah. Like, I just threw up in my bed. I don't really know if I have the best judgment right now. If someone has thrown up in their bed, it's probably not the right moment for them to drink tea. They can't drink the tea. Yeah. Because they're blackout. Yeah. I felt used and kind of like, like taken advantage of. Like, I didn't have a say in what happened to me. It bothered me for a while while I was over there, but it doesn't bother me really now. I think subconsciously it does a little, because as some people say on your podcast, go to therapy. It definitely helps. It helped me. And they think subconsciously a lot of that might have had to do with what is all going on in my brain, you know? Mm -hmm. So I never thought about it. I never even really mentioned it in therapy until they I answered like a question that said, do you ever look back on something and think about it often? They're like, what, well, what was it? What do you think about? Yeah. I was like, oh, I had this thing happen. And then I realized then I was like, wow, maybe that was something bad, you know, like something that shouldn't have happened. Mm. But it's a really weird situation because after that is when I started to think maybe I am interested in more than just women. Maybe I'm more than just straight because at the time I thought I was just straight. How was that for you? It's weird because it took that situation for me to realize. So it's kind of iffy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, on a lighter note, after that, a couple months, I was like, you know what? I'm going to explore this. So I bought a prostate simulator and that was fun. But I found out that I'm not really into self stuff with my butt. Do you think it has to do with like relaxation? I feel something similar, whether it's my pussy or my asshole. Like I really love having stuff done to it. But when I have to do it myself so far, we'll see how my future unfolds. Right now, it feels like I cannot yet get into the same state of relaxation if I also have to like manage the activity for myself, which is not to say that I don't sometimes include my own self-penetration when I'm pleasuring, but it is a completely different experience. And it's not the like surrender of receiving that I would prefer with a partner. Yeah, I definitely think that's a factor because when you're not doing it yourself, you just get to relax. You just get to be in the moment. You don't have to worry about logistics and like, how should I lay or how should I use my arms. Yeah. I just don't think I'm relaxed enough when I do it. So yeah. it'll either hurt or just not feel right. It was a good like introduction, I guess. Oh, but here's a question. Cause I'm now reflecting on the best penetration I've had at my own literal hands, but I was in combination on the phone slash in hot sext message mode with a partner who was telling me what to do since they were far away. Is that something that you think you might explore if, if the situation ever arose? Definitely. That does sound fun. I'm always down to try anything at least once yeah. and maybe twice if the first time wasn't clear enough, you know? Totally. I always say three times just to be sure, unless the first yeah. two were like traumatizing, terrible. Okay. So prostate stuff you were exploring, were there live cocks at some point or kind of what, well, just tell us what unfolded next for you. Yeah. So after that, I actually was still dating women. I 
opened my Tinder or whatever to men also, but I just wasn't really super interested. I got Grinder eventually because I found that existed. Never anything came of that in Korea. I like talked to people, but they were just like a little bit too much, I think, for me at the mm-hmm. time. I'm like brand new into the world and I'm not like looking for a whole lot. I'm just kind of like looking for an introduction, you know, but everyone's like, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'm like, that's nice. You know, <laughs> I don't know anything about that right now. So it was yeah. a little bit too much. And then I ended up actually going on a date with my wife, and that's how we met. Went to a movie. (laughs) First date, that's always a movie, it seems like, for me. Love how movies are, like, such an integral part of your explorations. Anyway, though, you met your wife. We didn't have sex for a couple weeks because she wanted it to be special, and she wanted it to be with someone she loved. I respected it because she was tired of, like, meeting people that just wanted sex. And we waited like a month or two, maybe even. Mm-hmm. And then we we did have sex in my room. Normal stuff, but very passionate and loving just because how close we had gotten. I just, it's a connection that I haven't shared with anyone else. So it makes everything 10 times better. Like, even just kissing. It's like, you know how they describe kissing like fireworks, like in the movies and stuff? Totally. That's how it feels when I kiss my wife. It's like there's a static something going off electricity it's insane that's awesome so it sounds like you had quite a bit of sexual compatibility what has it been like for you and how has it been since you brought another life into this world with this person i would say we're pretty sexually compatible but our drives are quite different Mm -hmm. my wife could go forever without having sex but me on the other hand i could have sex Three times a day, yeah. and I'd be just fine. Plus, she's working through stuff. I'm working through stuff. So we're figuring that out. But we're still super sexually compatible. It's just kind of on a break while we figure out what's going on in our brains, in our lives, you know. Absolutely. An opportunity for self-discovery and mutual creativity to figure out how you want to collaborate, whatever unfolds. I mentioned in your intro that there's some like poly-ish stuff. How has that come up for you? When did you start kind of those explorations? How is it for you? Yeah, so actually, it's funny. We learn about it kind of from your podcast. I was interested in it. And then we heard one of your episodes kind of like on poly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know much about it at the time. So I was pretty interested in it. So I did some research and stuff like I usually do. And I was like thinking in my brain, like, wow, this would be pretty good for me, because I'm taking some of that pressure off of my wife. Like, I'm not saying I pressure my wife, but I'm sure she feels pressure, you know, for me because I'm so... Sex is more than just sex in my brain. It's like healthy relationship. Like, this is how I check in with my relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. It's how you get close with someone. So I definitely need it, even though sex you don't need, but in my brain, it feels like I need it. I read a book that said men often experience emotional intimacy through physical intimacy. Women often need a lot of emotional intimacy to want physical intimacy. That's a very broad generalization, but like that's why it's, to me, extremely tragic when partners are not connecting in ways that, you know, where there's an imbalance. Yeah, I think I've heard that before, just in a different way. But I think it resonates with me because it definitely supports like my emotional health and like how I feel connected to my partner yeah. when I'm physically involved with them. So that's kind of like what sparked my interest in it. So I mentioned it to my wife 
And then, of course, I had her listen to your episode of the podcast that was talking about it. And she's like, wow, that does sound really interesting. Because at the time, we were both like, monogamy, no, you can't, you can't do this. We've been taught all our lives that we have to be cookie cutter. You can't do that. That's wrong. Stuff like that. And when we listened to the episode, we were like, well, there's more. You can have multiple connections with different people and that doesn't diminish your relationship at all so that's kind of what introduced us so around like may of this year we started trying to like dip our feet in you know okay we got like the dating apps and started talking with people and we went to like a bar and met people you know that's where it kind of started but we mainly stick with for now, anyway, partners that are same genital partners, if that makes sense. So me with same genital partners, and then she with same genital partners. Okay. Because we just don't see the need to really explore, because we have each other for that. And we're young, so we didn't really get to experience the same genital side. So that's kind of what our mindset is on it. Cool. Would you ever want to explore together or it sounds like maybe you're exploring more in parallel we are in parallel but i would definitely be interested in experiencing something together with like a third like shared partner or even more would you want to go to play parties or things like that if it was a great environment obviously that's always a given definitely i am interested but i just don't know how to locate that or how i would feel in that situation but I definitely want to give it a, a shot. Like I want to go to a party or like the clubs and kind of just get a feel for it just because I think it would definitely be up my alley. So what was it like once you started playing with other penis partners? So when we first started, we went to this bar and I met this guy and he was just coming on to me way too strong. I guess it was a turnoff because at first I was like, this guy, he's good looking. I'm going to chat him up, see what's up. But then he just came on too strong and was way too interested. So I was like not interested at all, Mm -hmm. backed off. Mm -hmm. But then later on, I started chatting with this guy, a really cool guy. Like he's like my type to a T of feminine top energy. And he was really the first experience I had with the man that I actually wanted to happen, you know? Cool. So that's definitely been fun. I mean, like just learning everything at this age is like definitely interesting because there's stuff I've never done until very recently, like giving a blowjob or like just had sex with a guy, stuff like that. You know, it's like insane. Like I definitely love giving oral to men and women. Like I was saying yeah. something about it. I'm not sure. Like I said, you're just as close as possible. You can to be with a person. Absolutely. Is that when you started getting tied up? No, my what my wife and I do it. We have under the bed restraints. You know, you just sit under the mattress, and they have the straps that cuff to your hands and legs. So we use that pretty often. Fuck yeah! I've never tried that with a same-sex partner. It's just been my wife, I think. Would you want to, or is that something that comes with deeper trust for you? I think it would have to be with deeper trust, but I think that could come with the person that I've known, you know, for a, a while. Some of the stuff that I've found that I enjoy is like oral, like I said, and then something I never thought of is like shared masturbation, I guess you would call it, where it's like someone is using 
their hand to masturbate you both, like at the same time, like on each other. And that's definitely very like close feeling and like hot. I don't know how else to put it. Wait, like they're masturbating themselves and you or you're touching them and they're touching you or are they... I've got a new vision in my brain of like you're sandwiched together and there's two cocks together and there's one hand making two. I, yep. I don't know if that's it. Yeah. What you just said is exactly how it's done. That's so hot. I wonder if there's another name for that. Does anyone know? I don't okay, because it is different from you. Okay. Shared cock jerk off? Double cock? <laughs> cock sandwich? I never even thought about it until it happened and it, it feels like insane. It's skin on skin, so it feels like you're almost like fucking someone or something like that. That is so cool especially because i think about i'm really turned on by variety if you guys haven't figured out (laughs) i love the idea too of cocks that look the same cocks that look different like the just the different physical experiences that could come from that that's so cool what are you doing while that's happening like are you watching are you just like receiving it and have you been the giver of that or would you want to be i haven't been the giver but i would definitely be down mainly i've been the less dominant submissive person with same sex partners but i would definitely be interested in being more dominant but with that situation i'm just basically laying there and they're on top and they're kind of just going to town you know it's like i think i'm more submissive because with women i'm more dominant so it's nice to kind of like just be in that space amazing i really want to make like a video in slow-mo of that happening and maybe the top is doing like orgasm control of the bottom and because i'm thinking of making this for a video it does have a climax and it's not about coming together but it would be really cool to see both cocks like come together that would be so hot yeah we were definitely it was like almost on sync it takes him a little bit longer so it was kind of cool when he came like right after so i was like this is a good experience oh my god that's so cool would you ever want a threesome or moresome with penis owners i think that would be pretty great i don't know how it would work logistically i feel like that's a lot of like sensations that i would barely be able to make it happen maybe the first couple of times you are the bottom to a couple of toppy femi energy types and then you don't have to worry about figuring it out all you have to do is show up and receive (laughs) that would be pretty lit i would definitely enjoy that but i think i would also enjoy being a dominant in a position i just haven't had the chance to like really try like i'm new to it i have time to grow you know i think i definitely would be interested in like a threesome with my wife or group sex or more than just men men or men women you know like everybody i think that'd be cool yeah have you talked about if you might be interested in like straight up swinging together like a two-on-two where you're sharing each other but maybe not even engaging with the same genital partner yet i'm just in fantasy mode now We've discussed it, but that's not really something that is super up our alley for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why. We like to have connections with people. That's why the poly works better, because we have, like, these friends that we can hang out with, but also make out with, you know? It's more than just a fuck buddy. It's like a friend. You're making a friend that you can be whatever with, you know? We call it kitchen table poly, because basically the thought behind it is, I know who she's with she knows who i'm with and we could all share meals together at a table basically that's the thought behind it we can all hang out and i think it definitely boils down to us wanting more friends (laughs) we just want to be more social and have friends and it's good to have a bunch of people 
Totally. What else have you been enjoying or want to enjoy that you haven't enjoyed yet, sex-wise? I definitely am interested in, like, more than two people, like, group sex or threesome. Sex parties and sex clubs definitely sound interesting to me. I think that's about it that I would be, like, interested in trying. Like, I think at sex clubs or, like, BDSM club, I would definitely be interested in trying more. Maybe, like, a dominatrix or something. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. What kind of sensations, kink-wise, have you not yet experienced or maybe want to experience more of? I think I would try to experience more impact play, like, on myself, more bondage, probably more pegging, too, because that's always fun. Cool. Oh, do you have a favorite peg size? Recently, we just got up to a pretty decent size, so that was pretty cool. I think we found the way that works best for me, just helps me relax. We, like, use a small one that has a vibrating function in it until I'm, like, in the zone, Warmed up. and then we'll go up a size. And then we'll go up another size. If I just get in that zone, I can take any size that I want as long as I'm like relaxed and in that zone. And my wife is phenomenal at it. I don't know why or if it's just like our connection and my relaxedness, but she's the only one that's ever made me orgasm just off anal alone. Wow, that is so hot. And congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I definitely never thought it would happen. But half the time, you don't even know if you've orgasmed or not. Because it's just like a lot on your body. There's so many like waves and sensations that you're not sure. And then you look down and you're like, oh, I came. <laughs> That's probably another one of my favorite feelings. Just because it's so much at once. Yeah, I don't know how big your wife's hands are. But like, are you curious at all about multiple fingers and or fisting? Maybe sometimes fisting looks scary to me, but totally. I think it'd be interesting to at least try like the stepping stone to it, which I guess would be multiple fingers. Yeah, yeah. But fisting looks scary to me. I'm not sure why. I guess I know why because someone's putting a fist in my ass. But it's, I think it sounds really scary. And I also, you know, even playing with slightly larger plugs and stuff on my own, which is how I build trust with my own body. Like I had one that was like maybe. That Like, this was the one that I was on the phone with my former master, and, like, I finally, like, got it in on my own, and I was, like, proud but scared, and you know, because there's so much also, like, shamey sex negative stuff about, like, ooh, you're going to stretch out your asshole, but it's like, mm, it's a sphincter. It's actually made to be very elastic It'll go back. for your whole <laughs> life, yeah. <laughs> That's something I definitely want to try that I haven't tried. Butt plugs, they scare me. I think it's because, I've talked about it with my wife, because most of them have that, like, small end that I feel like... I would accidentally suck in, you know, and it would get stuck in there. So I think if I found one with like a wider base, I'd be more comfortable with Anything it. that has like the T shape, like at the end of it, it's not going to go in. The small jewel ones, I had a scary experience with one of those. I mean, it's still my go-to birthday butt plug, but like if you've got a T, it's not going to go in. <laughs> so in general then, what would you say your hopes for your sex life going forward are? To just have more of it. And more of it often, I would say. Anyone involved, my wife, more partners, anything. More group stuff, maybe. More threesomes. Yeah. Wait, you mentioned blood earlier, and I just want to close that loop. Yeah, so my wife and I were both kind of interested in blood play, so we just did it. We tried it. I let her do it on me, and she seemed to like it. And What did you do? Just a knife. Uh, like... <laughs> just a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Well, nothing crazy, just like little like marks, you know, not like even super hard. 
but something about it is pretty interesting like when you associate it with like a sexual kind of feeling it does feel good in a weird way yeah i haven't tried it on my wife personally but i think she would want to try she's a little bit of a soft person so she's not into like all that impact play and stuff like that unless it's like under very certain circumstances like if she's very turned on yep. and she's in the mindset for it she'll love it she was like really in the choking when we first started dating mm-hmm. and now she's much like softer and like stuff that's not so harsh you know would you say it's more of a nurturing than an intense dominating experience yeah i would definitely say that unless under the right circumstances then she's into it totally i get that but me in my mind i'm into whatever it doesn't matter what level i'm at i can get to the level you need so it's kind of cool to be able to fluctuate yeah i love that i think responsive desire is so hot especially when it's actually responsive like not hiding our actual desires because oh it's what they want but like for myself personally it's such a gift to be like you're into that (gasps) that is hot because i'm attracted to you and now maybe i have a new thing that's opening up and who knows how long it'll last maybe it'll only last for that partner i don't care you know i've had some (laughs) people in my life be like well you're just like morphing yourself for other people and i'm like i'm consciously exploring i'm still my own person and i want to try stuff like we're always morphing ourselves for other people whether we admit to it or not like i don't know that's how i feel that i never heard about it put like that responsive desire i think that's definitely how i operate though yeah because if i'm on my own i would have thought well that sounds weird but Mm -hmm. then if someone was like hey i'm kind of into this we should try i'm like yeah i mean yeah yeah, it does sound interesting kind of like one of my same sex partners was mentioning that he's into piss play Mm -hmm. and i never even thought about it until then i was like yeah i would do it that sounds pretty interesting you know yeah i have kinks but i'm definitely more i'm off of the person like i vibe with the person and then what they want becomes what i want it's how i am with friends too like i match vibes and if your vibes off i'm gonna be off it's just how i am i really relate to that yeah i'm like my kink is Exploring other people's kinks and sex. My kink is, well, what's your kink? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? Maybe just around those times when I was kind of self-exploring and tell myself that I don't have to be embarrassed about what I was feeling and that I should try to also not just stick with women, that I should try to explore outside because I had many years missed where I could have maybe explored same sex interests at a young age. Fuck yeah. Zach, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you for having me. Do you have a sex question you'd like to ask me? What was something that you really wanted to try but ended up not liking? Ooh, not liking. Let me think. 